0: are starting a new series, and as we begin this series, um, we'll dive into the text in just a second, but I wanted to kind of focus our hearts and think about something real quick. We are very good at sectioning off our lives into boxes, okay, compartmentalizing our life, okay? So, like, we might have, like, our family... All right, and we put them in a box, okay? And then we kind of deal with them separately, and then we've got, like, our work box for those of you that have jobs. Who has jobs in the room? Raise your hand. Okay, very good. All right. All right, we've got our school over here, right? And we don't like opening this box up, but we have to Monday to Friday. We try to not open this on the weekends, but sometimes we have to, right? And then we've got, like, our church box, right, which which we have uh, open right now, and we're here at church. And then we've got like our hobbies, right? So you've got like sports and you've got activities and clubs and, you know, music and art and all that kind of stuff. And everything you're involved in, swim and dance and cheer and all that stuff, right? And then you've got like, uh, you know, then you've got a little box over here. We've got a sin box, okay? And we're trying to deal with this one on our own. And we open this one and no one knows about it, right? We open this one when no one's around. And so we feel like we can manage this box, And then what we tend to do is then we put like, uh, Jesus in his own box. And so Jesus becomes just a part of our lives. And he's just a box that we might open up occasionally when we have to go to church on Sunday or Wednesday night. Uh, maybe we, maybe we open this box up a couple nights a week, um, and then we close it back up, and so then when we go to work, we're not really thinking about Jesus. When we go to school, we may not really be thinking about Christ, right? And so Jesus just basically becomes a part of our life. He's one box among other boxes. Sometimes we can treat him like that. Even those of us who are mature in the room, mature Christians in the room, you're growing, you love Jesus, it's still very easy for practically to kind of put Jesus in his own little section and we kind of drift towards you know I'm going to do my quiet time in the morning and then the rest of the day I still kind of practically just engage these other areas school work church and kind of move on and don't act like Jesus really makes much of a difference at all. And so we're really good at compartmentalizing our life like this. And we might think that oh yeah I'm a Christian Jesus is a part of my life. I believe in Jesus I repented of my sin. I put my faith in him. He's a part of my life, but he isn't influencing how I interact with my hobbies. He's not influencing what I'm doing at school. He's not transforming the reason I go to church. He's not really impacting how I act at work. What we need to do is we need to take Jesus out of his own little box, and Jesus needs to be that circle's like invisible, but there's a big circle here, okay? Jesus needs to be this big old circle around everything. That's better, right? All right, we're going to say this is the Jesus circle, okay? And Jesus should be the focus of everything. So Jesus impacts the way I interact with my siblings and parents in the dinner table. Jesus impacts what I do at school, how I work, and how I witness. Jesus impacts how I do my hobbies, my sports, uh, interact with my friends, on my team, in the locker room. Jesus impacts why I'm at church. It's easy to come to church and not care about Jesus. Jesus changes why I work and how I work and what my priorities are at work. It's not just to get a a, a paycheck anymore. Now it's to glorify Jesus. Jesus changes how I deal with my sin. Now I'm not trying to handle my sin on my own. Jesus is changing that. So Jesus must become the center focus of all of these things. Do You see how that works? Not putting things into little suitcases that we we take with us and we open them up occasionally. Jesus is the center of everything. And the whole purpose of Colossians is to put all of our focus on Jesus. All right, I'm going to cross this little barrier, this invisible barrier. Turn this off. All right, good. All right, so let's open up to Colossians. And. the whole book of Colossians, the whole reason that it was even written to this church, was because th- this church was being told that they could look to other things outside of Christ to worship the Lord. That they could, they needed wisdom that came outside of Christ to be wise. They needed to look for other man-made, um, like dietary laws and restrictions, in order to really be a christian all right they needed to have some sort of spiritual experiences and spiritual highs in order to really be a christian other things outside of christ and the whole purpose of colossians was for paul to say no put your whole focus on christ that christ influences everything about you he is the center of your life center of your life and he is supreme over your life so he's over all and he's in all. He's in everything and he's over everything that you do. That's the whole reason Colossians was written. So if you want to learn a good Christology, that's the study of Christ, Colossians is a great book because it's all about the person of Christ. Let's put our, all our focus on Jesus. So the whole point of this series is to put all of our focus, all of our attention, all of our, uh, all the aim of our lives on to Christ. That makes sense? We want to put all of our focus and gaze on Jesus. And so the whole purpose of this first opening section is just dealing with our faith in this Christ. Our faith in Christ, the Son of God. And we want our faith to to be pulled closer to him so that he's the center of our lives and supreme over our lives. That sound good? All right, so we're going to read the main truth, and then I'm going to read the passage for us. And then we'll pray, and then we'll dive in. So your main truth that I want you to write down is our faith in Christ must be visible, growing, and bringing us closer to Him. So we'll leave that up for a second. Our faith in Christ, the Son of God, must be visible, growing, and bringing us closer to Him. The whole focus and aim is to put our whole lives, center everything on him. Colossians 1.27 says, it is the hope of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, that it's Christ who lives in you. And if Christ is in you, that changes everything about us, right? If Christ is in us, and we go to school, that should change how we live at school, if Christ is in us. True? If Christ is in us, it should change how I go to work, because Christ is in me. If Christ is in me, it should change how I interact with my siblings, how I obey my parents, because Christ is in me. He's not just out there, or up there, he's in here. And Christ is the power Christ is the power of the living God. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. The Spirit of Christ in you is the power of God dwelling in you to live and look like Jesus. So we put our whole lives and center our focus onto Christ. Okay, does everybody have this right here? All right, let's read the text together. We're going to be in verses 1 to 14. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Follow along with me as I read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, And Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. I want you, as we read, to see us an emphasis on the Father, God the Father, being the Father of Jesus Christ. Okay, so notice that in verse 3, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard Heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you in the inheritance of the saints, sh- I'm sorry, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13 He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved. Son, there's the beloved Son of the Father again, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. This is a very encouraging text uh, for Christians. Here, let me pray for us and we'll keep going. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that we've just heard now. and We, we pray now that you would strengthen our faith in Christ Jesus, your Son. Lord, we pray that we would put our whole attention, our whole aim, our whole lives onto Him, Lord, and that He would impact and change everything about us, down to the very smallest habits that no one sees. Even that would be to the glory of Christ. God, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to see three realities that should be true of our faith in Jesus. Three realities. That should be true of our faith in Jesus. Reality number one, point one, reality one, is faith in Christ is visible. Faith in Christ is visible. I want you to notice in verse three, he says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, pause there. Their faith is in Christ Jesus. The emphasis of your faith in Christ Jesus is, is to remind them that the object of their faith is Christ himself. Now, that's important. The object of our faith is Christ himself. Our faith is not in Christian religion. Our faith is not in Christian, even, doctrine. It's not in Christian duty. It's not in Christian obedience. It's not in anything that we can do or even intellectually know. Our faith is in a person. Our faith is in Christ Jesus. We have put, and this church has put, their whole weight upon Jesus Christ. It's full surrender. It's a giving over of your life to Jesus. And all of Colossians is about this surrender. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, 127. As we go through the book, you'll see that Christ is the sovereign, sovereign creator God, later in chapter 1, verse 15. In 2, 3, it's Christ is the wisdom of God, our wisdom. In two six, He's the foundation of our life that we're rooted in. In two fourteen and fifteen, Christ is the Redeemer and the Savior. He's the debt canceller of our sin. At the end of chapter two, it says Christ is the substance of our life. In chapter three, Christ is our life, hidden with Christ in God. At the end of chapter three, Christ is the aim of everything we do, in word or deed. We do it all to the name and glory of Christ. So it's Christ. Our aim and our life and our faith is in a person. Not in what we do, not in our church tenants. it's in Christ himself. And if our faith is in Christ himself, and Christ is in us, that ought to change how we live, and it ought to be visible in the way we live. Okay, It's visible in two ways that we'll see in our text here. The first way it's visible is in verse 4. Look with your eyes here. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The first way it's visible is their love for all the saints. He says, we have heard of your love for all the saints. So th- their, their love for each other was actually heard about by Paul and Epaphras and Timothy. So think about this. Your faith in Christ must, must produce love for the saints. Now, saints, I don't know what, I don't know what idea comes to your mind when you think about saints But we're just talking about believers, okay? So whatever idea you have, it just means Christians, believers, holy ones. All right, so believers. Love for all believers. And faith in Christ produces a real, genuine love for believers. Jesus says in John 13, 35, he says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus doesn't say they'll know you're my disciples by how much Christian theology you know. They won't know you're my disciples by how many books you read. They won't know you're my disciples because you are at church every single week. He says, they will know you are my disciples because of the way you love one another. The way you serve one another. The way you commit to be here with one another, to build each other up. The way you welcome one another when when these visitors and these younger students come in the door. The way you reach across the aisle to someone who does not go to your school and you love them and encourage them. The way you love one another. That's what shows your faith in Christ to be real. He doesn't say love for some of the saints, does he? He says love for all the saints. Do you know what the word all means in Greek? It means all. Pretty amazing, right? All. Mind blown. It means all. It means love all the Christians. It doesn't mean love some of the saints. It didn't say they, they are, uh, you're known by your love for the athletic saints, that you're, you're known for your love for the artistic saints, your love is known for the band saints, <laughs> that your love is known for the homeschool saints, for the public school saints, for the private school saints. It says your love is known when it's for all the saints. Do you love all, all of God's people? Even the ones who are not like you. It doesn't say love all the ones who agree with you on everything. It doesn't say love the ones who have the exact same convictions about everything as you do. It says love all the saints. Do we love all the saints? Who do you struggle to love in the room or in our church or at your school? They will know you by your love. Listen, faith in Christ must change us. So my brother, uh, my brother David, he's four years older than me. He lives in uh, Lakeland, Florida. And um, when we were growing up, my brother was in 12th grade. I was in 8th grade. He was in 11th grade. I was in 7th grade, four years older. You get it. And so uh, my brother loved me. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, do, I really don't. My brother loved me, and he actually, like, invited me to hang out when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, to hang out with his high school friends, okay? Now, my brother, I'm not sure why. He was a really popular kid in his school, okay? I would tell him that to his face. It's fine. But he was, he was like, he was, he was big time. And he brought me along to hang out with him, And I I still don't really know why, but he loved me, and it was so clear and evident to me that I just loved hanging out with David. And David, um, he played drums, he had, like, cool hair, he listened to cool music, right? Um, he, He loved Jesus. And by just David loving me and hanging out with David, do you know what I began to do? I began to become like David. David had long hair, so I grew my hair out. And it looked bad, let me tell you. <laughs> bad. It looked like the Beatles, one of the Beatles, okay? it My hair doesn't grow down. It grows like out, in, like this, okay? So I'll just leave that for your imagination. Don't let that derail you from listening to the rest of the sermon. David grew his hair out. I grew my hair out. David played drums, so I switched to drums. And I wasn't good at that either. David listened to this kind of music, so I listened to that kind of music. And... The point is, if Jesus loves us and gave himself for us, Galatians 2.20, and we have faith in him, and Christ is in us, the hope of glory, shouldn't that change the way we act and love people? The more we hang out with Jesus, the more we begin to love like Jesus. And if Christ is in us, it should change how we love. It should be visible by our love. The next way that's visible is Uh, they loved the truth of the gospel. So in verse seven, I'm sorry, in verse five, it says, um, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. They loved the truth of the gospel. Down in verse uh, six, it says, uh, and they understood the grace of God in truth. They received the truth of the gospel with open ears and they loved it. They loved the truth that Jesus Christ lived in their place, that he was righteous for them. That students, that Jesus Christ has lived this this week for you. He has been perfect for you in your place. Do you love that truth? That you don't have to try to prove yourself or earn righteousness. Jesus has been righteous for you. That Jesus' death on the cross gives you grace right now. The grace of God. The grace of this truth. That you sin and I sin every day. We sin every day. We sinned last night. We sinned today at school. We were disrespectful. We were disobedient. We thought impure thoughts. We looked at things we shouldn't have looked at. We said things we shouldn't have said. We sin every day. And we should die the moment we sin. That's what should happen to us. And the fact that we're not dying and staying alive is the grace of God because someone already died for us. Jesus Christ died the death we deserve because of our sin. He died in our place. So that means you should love the grace of God every day. You should love the gospel truth. And believers love gospel truth. It should be, that's one way your faith is visible. By the way, you hear and receive and respond to the gospel. You should, man, you should thank God and love that Jesus' death covers you. So rest in his forgiveness, man. Rest in his love for you. Rest in his grace, which covers you. He is a living hope for you. He's alive. He is a living hope. We went to to YEC, right? We were on the beach. And I looked out at the ocean at YEC and those waves, they just keep crashing on the shore. And God's grace is like those waves. The waves of God's grace just keep crashing on the shore of your sinful soul every single second of your life covering you. And you should love God. The gospel truth. Do you love gospel truth? It's one of the ways your faith is visible. All right, we've got to keep going. Reality number two, point two, faith in Christ must be growing. Faith in Christ must be growing. Look at what Paul says. He begins to pray for them. In verse nine, he says, so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the lord fully pleasing to him can we just stop and just a side lesson here side application do you notice that how paul prays for believers that's pretty instructive for us he doesn't stop praying for believers that they would grow in their faith how do you pray for each other in this room do you pray for each other to grow in your faith or do you only pray for like the physical needs now that's not bad but do we pray also to grow closer to Christ? Okay, that's just a side note. All right, faith in Christ. What are two things that he tells them to grow in, or he's praying for them to grow in? He's praying for them to grow in the word and to grow in their walk. To grow in the word and to grow in their walk. First, in the word. He says that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, when we think about the will of God, we mostly think about uh, the direction of God for my life don't we? We want to know God's will, and when we say that, we usually mean we want to know what God wants me to do next, right? Should I date this person or not date that person? We're like, we want to know God's will. If she's not a Christian, don't date her. That's God's will, okay? That's for free. Do we want to, do I go to this college or this college? I want to know God's will. Do we take this job or this job? I want to know God's will. This will is not talking about that kind of will. This is talking about the revelation of God already given to us in his word, So when he says to be filled with the knowledge of his will, he's saying be filled with the word of God. So if we want to know Jesus, we want to grow in our faith, in Christ, then we need to be filled with the word of God. Colossians 3, if you flipped over to 3.16, says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He is praying for them to be filled with the word of God. Now, don't overcomplicate this. Jesus has told us how we can grow closer to him. He has told us this. And we make this so hard on ourselves, okay? He has told us to read his word, that reading the word of God is the pathway to joy, to life, to peace, to contentment, to purpose, to meaning in your life. He's told you that. To love, he's told you that. Yet, the God of the universe who told us that we still hear that and we go, nah, I just don't really want to. And so we choose to not go to the word of God every day. And yet our lives are, are are struggling and empty and we live hidden lives and we wonder why. And God has told us the ingredients to growing in our faith. And so now I get it. It is hard to read the word of God. It, it's It's hard to be, the discipline to be in it is hard, is what I mean. And I understand that. But listen to me, students. Let me give you an example. Uh, You probably don't, you might not enjoy every single meal that your mom makes you for dinner. You might not. I don't know. Don't tell her if you don't, okay? Just leave that in your own heart. But let's say your parents make dinner, and it's not like your favorite meal, okay? They didn't go out and buy you the Chick-fil-A sandwich with the pickle on it, right? It's just not your favorite, amen. So, so it's just not your favorite, but it's dinner, and so you know you need to eat the food because what does food do? It makes, it makes us strong, gives us nourishment, it gives us what our body needs, right? We need food to survive and not starve, and to have the nutrients our body needs, okay? So we eat the food because we know we need the food. Now, did you know that if you were to eat healthy meals, healthy food, instead of junk food, and it was hard to eat the healthy food at first, but you know you should do that, so then you start eating the healthy food, even though you don't really want to, if you eat a healthy dinner, start to eat one every night instead of your usual dinner of like Sour Patch Kids, okay? You will start to actually crave the healthy food over time. Not at first, over time. So, if you start to sit down with the Word of God, even when you don't feel like it, You choose to do it because it's an act of obedience and you know, you know, because God has told you, you know that it is the pathway to joy in Christ. So you choose to open the Bible and sit down and you even are honest with God and you say, Lord, I don't know why I don't feel like doing this, but I don't. And here I am and I'm going to read this chapter. I'm going to open up Matthew 1. Colossians 1, Romans 1, whatever that is. I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to help me follow you. And then tomorrow I'm going to come back and do this again. And I don't feel it, Lord, but I, I want you to help me. Did you know that if you do that one day, then the next day, then the next day, then the next day, then the next day, The word of God promises it will not return void. Which means it will accomplish what it says it will do. Which means that if you do that every day, you know what's going to happen? Eventually, one month, two months down the road of being faithful to obey, what's going to happen is you're going to start to crave the healthy food you need. Your diet is going to change. And you're going to stop enjoying the empty pleasures of Xbox at 1 a.m. And you're going to start enjoying reading your Bible in the morning. All because, listen, watch this. Watch, listen. All because looking to Christ, believing his word, you chose, through his help, you chose to take a small step of obedience Over an extended period of time. Which then made you close to Jesus. Little steps of obedience. Taken over an extended period of time. Bring you close to Jesus. Because that's what the Bible says will happen. 2 Corinthians 3.18. You'll be transformed into the image of Christ. From one degree of glory into another. This comes from the spirit. So. What is your relationship with the word of God? Get in the word and trust that the Lord will do this. It then also needs to be growing, our faith needs to be growing in our walk. So look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So we grow in the word and we grow in our walk. Now, this worthy, this worthy is not like uh, to try to earn our worth. This is not, I need to walk in a way to make me worthy of God. You can't do that. You are unworthy not what that means it means more like appropriate or fitting in a way that is fitting for someone who believes in Christ okay that's what that means all right so in a way that pleases him all right and it says two ways we can please him one is bearing fruit in every good work that's in verse 10 you see that in verse 10 increasing the knowledge of God and number two being strengthened verse 11 with all power according to his glorious might so let's think about just bearing fruit for just a minute Bearing fruit. So if you have an apple tree and it's bearing apples, it shows what kind of tree it is, an apple tree, but it also shows that it's alive. If an apple tree has healthy apples on it, it shows that the tree is alive, right? That it's vibrant. It has what it needs to grow these fresh apples, okay? So when you are living for Christ, growing and bearing fruit in good works, it demonstrates that your faith is alive, that it's growing. So bearing fruit in every good work means the good works that God has prepared for us to do beforehand, Ephesians 2.10, that we should walk in them. Good works like using your words to encourage instead of tear down. Right? Using uh, Using your time to serve and not be selfish. Coming to church to build up, not just to get what you want right, good works that we're supposed to live in, finding someone to disciple, to help follow Jesus. Is there someone in your life that you are discipling, that you are pouring your life into? Finding someone to witness to, to share Jesus with. You should always have two people in your life. You should have someone you're trying to witness to, share Jesus with, and someone you're trying to disciple. So who are those two people? Many of you may not have anybody like that, but we need to find someone to help follow Jesus, disciple, and someone to witness to, share Jesus with, okay? These are the good works that God has made for us to walk in them. And then quickly, be strengthened. Be strengthened for all, uh, what does it say here in verse 11? With all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. That means strengthening, putting to work your spiritual muscles so that you can endure the difficult things coming for you. So take little steps of obedience, right? over a long period of time, produces closeness to Christ. It also produces strength in Christ. So yeah, exercise your spiritual muscles. Muscles, that's hard. Okay, muscles. Get in the Word of God and be disciplined. I have heard that if you exercise, you get stronger. Okay, I've heard that. I'm working on it. I'm not applying it very well. But I've heard that if you exercise, you get stronger and you feel better. Okay, so the same is true with your faith. If you exercise it and put it to work and you lift small weights, okay? it will help you eventually lift heavier weights. So if you start to trust God and exercise your faith in the smaller things, he will help you in the bigger things. It says with endurance and joy. So if you ask God to help you be strong against the small temptation to lustfully glance during the day, trust him with that and ask him to give you strength to not sin in that way. If you're spending time on your phone and you know that if you keep scrolling, you're just going to wander into a bunch of comparison trap and jealousy and bitterness and self-idolatry, thinking only about yourself. Trust God to strengthen you to say, no, I'm not going to scroll right now. The small steps. As you ask Jesus, Jesus, give me strength to not do that. As you do that, he will strengthen you, he will help you, And then when the difficult, bigger things come, you will be able to endure. Okay, very quickly, reality number three, and then we're going to shut this thing down. Reality number three, faith in Christ brings us closer to our Father. Faith in Christ draws us closer to our Father. Verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we are drawn closer to the father because we are qualified by the father and transferred to a new home by the father. We're qualified by the father. If you were to apply for a scholarship for college, and it will, it will give you certain qualifications that you have to meet to apply. It'll say you have to have this certain GPA, GPA, You have to have this certain SAT score. If you do not have those, you do not qualify to apply. You understand what I'm saying? We do not qualify for heaven. The Father qualifies us because of what Christ has done. And now Christ is in us, and it's the only reason that we are qualified for heaven. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if you are a perfectionist and you are just so frustrated because not everything is exactly right, you can rest because your qualification is not in your perfection, it's in Jesus. If you feel guilty about sin right now, would you just rest knowing that you're qualified by Jesus to be with the Father? If you're a doubter in here, we talked about doubt last week, if you're a doubter in here, rest knowing that God has qualified you because of what Christ has done. And Christ promises to keep you. If you are an anxious person, anybody anxious? If you're an anxious person, struggling with worry, Jesus has qualified you by what his, by what he has done so that you can go to a father who cares about your every need. And you can give all your anxieties to him. We can't earn our qualification to be in heaven with the Father and the Son. The Father must qualify us. We cannot earn it. Lastly, he's transferred us. He's transferred us into this kingdom of his beloved Son. The beloved Son. When you put your faith in Jesus, you get a new family, and you get a new father. Like an adopted child being brought into a new family, and now, this adopted child gets the same relationship with the father as his new siblings have always had. We get that kind of relationship with the father that his beloved son has always had. Think about that. Jesus, who died for you, who rose for you, God's beloved son qualifies you and then brings you into this new home, transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his son, brings you into this new home, and you get the same love that the father has for his son, he now has for you. And now look at me. Everybody, you can stop writing. Everybody needs to hear me say this. God loves you right where you are in whatever you are doing right now in your life. No matter how bad you struggle, no matter how inconsistent your walk with Jesus, no matter how hidden the sin, the Father loves you. Jesus has qualified you, and God loves you with the same love that he loves his beloved son with. That's amazing, right? First John 3, 1 says that he has lavished his love upon us, that we would be called children of God. And if you do not know this love, if you don't know the Father like this, put your faith in Christ. Give your life completely over to Christ. Put your faith in him and what he has done in his death and resurrection, and you get this new family. You're transferred from darkness into light to live with God forever. So like, let this comfort your heart that you're loved not by what you do but by what Christ has done. We can't perform well enough for God to love us. That's the lie of the devil. That if you perform like this and you do your quiet time like this, God will love you. And when you struggle, God loves you less. And that's just a lie. He loves you constantly and consistently like he loves his son. That's the gospel. That's an amazing reality rest in that students look to jesus the founder and perfecter of your faith he has the father has qualified us to be with him the beloved son forever all right let's pray band's going to come and close us out father we thank you that you have qualified us to share In the inheritance of the saints in light, you've transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son. You love us like you love Jesus. We are amazed by that. We pray that our faith in Christ would grow closer to you, Lord. We pray that our whole eyes and attention would be just on Jesus. That we would stop trying to qualify ourselves, but we would just look to Jesus who has qualified us. And God, that we would just stop running from you. We would stop hiding from you. We would stop, uh, stop wallowing in our own shame and just come running back to Jesus who loves us. Lord, you've given us everything we need for life and for godliness in Christ. We don't have to go anywhere else. If we have Christ, we have everything. We don't have to go anywhere else. Help all of these students to take little steps of obedience today over an extended period of time to become close to Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name.